The topic we had discussed was the challenges of leadership. And all the things that we've talked about are challenges to you guys as leaders. It's challenging to keep your guys under control. It's challenging, apparently, to do lineup correctly. It's challenging for us, you know, we're all busy. It's challenging for us to find time to get into God's Word and, and study it and come prepared to, to minister to our guys. All of those are challenges. And being a leader is not easy. I mean, I think we can all agree that other than uh, Alton and Zach, you know, everybody in this room has been a leader here before. And you all know that there's either going to be that one brigadier who gets on your last nerve. That you you just want to punch. You all know there's going to be on that camping trip that one guy who you told to handle the most important piece of the food and he drops it all over the trail and then you're hungry for the rest of the week. Be quiet, guys. And then, you know, we've got all these challenges. But we're going to talk t- tonight about a guy who was a leader in the Bible. He was a pretty big leader in the Bible. And he faced a lot of challenges. In fact, not only did he face challenges as a leader, he faced challenges in life in general. And he lived a pretty screwed up life. Jesus. Now, you probably, you probably look at yourself and you think, my life's pretty screwed up. I know you look at me and say, his life's really screwed up. <laughs> but none of our lives are as screwed up as this guy. We're going to talk tonight about Moses, and we're going to talk about five different areas where Moses was challenged as a leader, and how he was shaped in his entire life to become a leader. And we're going to go through a lot of the book of Exodus tonight. I wish we had more time, because we could spend a lot more time on the life of Moses. But just for the next you know, 20 to 30 minutes here, we're going to really look at this guy, and how he had challenges as a leadership, how he did a lot of good things, but how he also made some mistakes and that's what we do as leaders. You know, we do good things, but sometimes we make mistakes and we learn from those mistakes. But we're going to look at his life and find out what it means to really handle those challenges in our leadership abilities. Well, let's just go ahead and start with a word of prayer and then we'll, we'll go ahead and get into this. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, a good weekend, Lord, where we can just uh, get away from the craziness of life, Lord, and just come together as a leadership team, Lord, and just prepare for the year. God, I pray that as uh, we're preparing even tonight, Lord, that you're preparing the hearts of the guys that are going to come in this room uh, throughout the school year, Lord, and that you'll just really be able to to use us as your tools, Lord, to um, lead these guys to a a life that's fulfilled in Christ. God, I pray tonight as I uh, look at the life of Moses with these guys, Lord, that you just give me the um, words to say, Father, that you speak through me and and that maybe that through what we look at in, in Moses' life, Lord, that uh, we can all learn from it and be better leaders for it, God. We just give you all the praise and the glory tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, everybody here has heard of Moses, right? I'm assuming. They may not heard of Moses before. You know, he's that crazy guy who did all the crazy things in Egypt. And but we're gonna, What's that? Was he crazy? Probably. A little bit. But we're going to look at at five areas of Moses' life and how he was challenged uh, not only as a leader, once he was a leader, but he was challenged to be a leader. And it all started before Moses was even born. You see, when Moses was born, there was this guy, Pharaoh. And you guys think that the President of the United States is a powerful guy? He's got nothing compared to what Pharaoh had back in times when Egypt was the, the world-dominant power. Pharaoh decided, you know, they... They had had Joseph come in and save Egypt as a, as a Hebrew. But this Pharaoh had forgotten about Joseph. This is many years later. And he decided 
that uh, these people who were the Hebrews that they had made slaves, they were becoming a lot of them. And a lot of them. I mean, hundreds of thousands of slaves. And he's like, man, there's a lot of these people. And they're going to like raise up an army against us. We need to do something about this. So Pharaoh made this crazy order that any of the, the Hebrew boys that were born, he was going to kill them. And he was just going to you know, uh, kill every one of them. It didn't matter uh, whose kid they were. If they were a Hebrew and they were a firstborn kid or uh, just a new, a new baby boy, they were going to kill them. And they threw them in the Nile, in the Nile River. And so Moses' mother, her name was Jochebed, she, uh, she knew that this was happening and she wanted to save her, her baby boy. And uh, so she hid him for, for a while, but it says in Exodus chapter 2, I guess don't, not anybody, well, Keith's got his Bibles, a couple of people got Bibles, but in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 3, it says, But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. And then she put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds of the bank of the Nile River. And then the baby's sister stood at a distant distance watching to see what would happen to him. All right, let's stop right there for a second. It is no wonder that Moses was crazy later on in life because apparently his mom was insane. I mean, she takes her newborn baby, puts him in a basket, then lays him in the Nile River. Now, the Nile River ain't nothing like the Catawba that we were at today. The Nile River's got alligators or crocodiles. I don't know what they have over there. It's the whatever big animal with chomping teeth that they got. They got, they got hippos. They got all sorts of stuff. They got snakes. They got... I mean, this isn't exactly the ideal place to put a baby. She's she's crazy. And then on top of that, they got floodplains, they got all sorts of stuff. But she puts her baby boy in this river, and he's going down this raging river of death. And then in verse 5 it says, Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down in the river to bathe, and her attendants walked along the river bank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby, and the little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. Then she said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. The baby's sister then approached the princess and said, should I go and find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby for you? Yes, please do, the princess replied. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. And take the baby and nurse him for me, the princess told his mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. And later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. And the princess named him Moses, for she said, I lifted him out of the water. So this is the first way that Moses overcame the challenge of a leader. And it wasn't even by his own doing. The first thing we're looking at is that God protects his leaders. And God protected Moses. You know, he was supposed to die by the hand of Pharaoh. And then, you know, us logical people would think he should have died in that river when he was put in there. But who else in the world protected him but Pharaoh's own daughter? And then the coolest thing, he gets to be taken care of by his own mother, who was the crazy lady that put him in the river to begin with. But not only did she get to take care of him, she got paid to take care of him. So not only did God allow her to save her baby, she allowed her to get paid for it, which is pretty cool. So God protects his leaders and God protected Moses. But then uh, as, as Moses grew older, he, he kind of came to power in Egypt. There's a uh, historical book called Josephus. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. He was a historian. He, I was reading about him when, uh, about Moses when I was studying for tonight. And uh, it said that Moses like, led armies in, uh, in Egypt and he led things into Ethiopia and all sorts of stuff. But then later it says in verse 11 of chapter 2, 
It says, many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people. At this point, he knows he's a Hebrew. Um, I'm not sure when he found out he was a Hebrew, but he knew he was a Hebrew. But he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, for he saw how hard they were forced to work. And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, Moses killed the Egyptian, and then he hid the body in the sand. Not that little shallow grave that we saw back there. (laughs) And then the next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. And then Moses said to one of them, Why are you beating up your friend? He said this to the one who started the fight. Then the man replied, Who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me just like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Then Moses was afraid, thinking, Oh my goodness, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh had heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Okay. So second thing, Moses is exiled after killing him. So remember when I said leaders don't always make the best decisions? I'm pretty sure killing a man probably wasn't the best plan. But he, he killed this guy. And, and another thing to note that, you know, when we, we, when we mess up and we do wrong, how many times when you guys, when we sin, how many times do we look around and think nobody's looking? Do we all all do that? Yeah, we all do that. We think nobody's looking, but guess what? Somebody always sees it. Always. You, you can't hide it. So he sees it. These other Hebrews say, are you going to kill us like you killed that guy yesterday? Moses flees because he's wanted to be killed by Pharaoh. Now, so this is the third time in Moses' life he should have died. Should have died before he was born. Should have died in the river. And now he should have died for killing a man. But God protected him again, even though he made a mistake. And that's one of the things that that is talking about overcoming... Uh, the challenges of being a leader is learning from our mistakes. Um, and part of that comes to about being honest with yourself and being honest. You know, we all make mistakes as leaders. It wasn't but just a couple of months ago that I had uh, my, myself face up and, and be a man uh, about being a leader and, and, and th- mistakes that I have made when I confessed to the church that for 11 years I had been trapped in the addiction of pornography. For years, and it, uh, we were able to cut that out of my life about two years ago. But um, you have to be able to willing to admit your mistakes as a leader. And when you when you admit those mistakes, God's going to honor you for it, and God's going to take care of you. Now, at this point, Moses hadn't admitted his mistake, but God did take care of him because God had a bigger plan for him. So Moses, kind of fast forward a little bit. Moses is now out in Midian. Midian was out in the desert um, near Mount Sinai. Um, which, if you guys don't know the story later, when Moses gets the Ten Commandments, that's the same mountain that he received those at. But he's uh, he's meets these these girls um, and their dad Jethro, and he ends up marrying one of Jethro's daughters, and her name was Zipporah. I know it's a crazy name, guys. <laughs> Not exactly my first choice of a name for a wife, but hey, it was it was for Moses. But he he gets married, and he's he's taking care of Jethro's flocks, and he's. Uh, out in the, out in the, well, not in the field. He was out in the desert one day uh, with the flocks and, and letting them walk around. And all of a sudden, he sees this burning bush. And uh, if we walked out there back in the woods and we saw this bush on fire, what, what would you guys do? Trying to put it out. Trying to put it out. But what would you do if you walked out there and you saw a bush on fire, but it wasn't burning up? What would you do? Yeah, you'd probably be like, 
What? What is that? What would you do, Gil? Drinking monsters. You stop drinking monsters. Moses is looking at this thing. He's like, what in the world? What is going on here? He's probably like touching. He's like, will it burn me too? And he's looking at it weird. He's looking at it funny. He doesn't understand what's going on. You know, I'd be pretty freaked out at that point. I'm like, this bush isn't burning up. It's on fire. I'm still here. My hand after touching is still here. I don't understand this. And then all of a sudden he hears Moses. And he's like, whoa. <laughs> what is this? Moses. And he's like, Jethro, you out here? Is it, you playing a trick here? Is this some sort of black magic or something? And then he hears, hears the voice again. It says, Moses, take off your shoes. And he's like, take off your shoes. Then, he, then it's, it's the voice of God saying, take off your shoes for the ground you stand on is holy. And you know, if I hear some bush talking to me, saying that I'm God and take off your shoes, I'm like, I'm probably going to pee on myself a little bit. You know, I'm going to, might, I might have another train incident, you know? But he says, he says, Moses, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. And he's looking at me, he's like, who are you? And he says, I'm the God of your ancestors. And he's like, what is this guy talking about? God of my ancestors. And, he go, and, and God goes on to tell him, you know, I'm the God of your ancestors. I've got this mission I want you to do. I want you to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. Me? Go back to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let your people go. Uh, God, hello. Remember, I killed a guy back there. They want me dead. I can't go back there. And he comes up with an excuse. He can't go back there. And then he comes up with another excuse of, nobody's going to believe me. They're not going to believe me that God sent me out here to tell them that they're going to be leaving Egypt. And then God says, Moses, what do you have in your hand? Moses is just like, I've just got this shepherd's rod. That's it. And God says, throw it down. And so Moses throws down his staff and it turns into a snake. Now, Moses and I are a lot alike in this regard. His staff just turned to a snake. What does he do? He like to hightails it out of there. He starts running. And God says, pick it up. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you guys. If God tells me to pick up a snake that just came from my staff, I'd be like, okay. All right. Are you sure? Okay. So he picks it up and it turns back to the rod. And God says, do this and they will believe you. And then God takes him a step further because... Apparently Moses must still have a little bit of doubt. So God takes it a step further and says, Now put your put your arm in your robe. He puts his arm in his robe and he pulls it out, and his hand is just covered with leprosy. Now who knows what leprosy is? Gil. So um, when it's a disease that makes your skin okay. Yeah, well sort of. Leprosy is a disease that attacks your nervous system so you can't feel anything, which and results usually in injuries that burn your skin fall. Okay, that's the technical definition. Okay. Anyways, leprosy, you were like, you were an outcast. Nobody would have anything to do with you. But then God tells him to put his hand back in his robe, pulls it out, and he's healed again. So at this point, you know, I'd probably be like, most like, okay, this guy, he probably has a little legitimacy to what he's telling me. Probably knows what he's talking about. But in uh, chapter 4, after all of that happens, chapter 4, starting in verse 10, It says, But Moses then pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I just get tongue-tied. My words are always tangled up. 
And then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. So even after all of that, after God showed him that he is who he is, showed him that he can uh, give somebody disease, take it away, Moses still questions him and says, God, I just can't, I stutter. I can't do this. And God says, it is not about you, Moses. It's about me. Go do what I've told you to do. So the third area of Moses' life, we see that he was chosen by God at the burning bush. He questioned God multiple times, but God reassured him that he will be with him every single step of the way. And another challenge to overcome as a leader is to trust God and know He's going to be with us every step of the way. There's going to be times you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. There's going to be a night when you forget to prepare your lesson and you come in you're not going to know what to do. But you just got to trust God that He's going to help you through it. And just keep with it. Stick at it. But don't question Him. Just stick with His plan. So Moses goes back to Pharaoh. He tells him to let his people go. Pharaoh laughs at him several times. Moses does all these crazy plagues from God. He turns the Nile into blood. He has frogs all over the place. Uh, Locusts, cattle dying. He's got uh, hail falling from heaven that's on fire. Darkness. And then he kills the firstborn son of Egypt. So every firstborn child in Egypt dies. Now, if that wasn't enough... To prove to Moses and the Israelites that God is who He is, that God's going to do what He's going to says He do is He's going to do. I don't know what is. And if I'm Pharaoh, I'm going to be like, "Yeah, get out of here." And Pharaoh did. He said, "Get out of here. You just killed all of our kids. You just killed all half of my friends who were all the firstborn. Get out of my land." And so Moses takes the the Hebrew, and they all they all start to leave Egypt. And they're going to the desert, and they come up to the Red Sea. Now, uh, anybody know how big the Red Sea is? It's pretty big. It's not like crossing Lake Wiley. It's it's pretty big. It'd be more like, you know, let's cross uh, Lake Erie. <laughs> but bigger. So, then they get to this, they get to the, the Red Sea. At this point, Pharaoh's army has come behind them. Moses and all the Israelites are probably looking back and be like, great, here we are. We're at the sea. Moses has brought us out here to die. Great. And so they do. They start complaining. They've already seen all of these all of these miracles, and they start complaining. But in Exodus chapter 14, starting in verse 15, the Lord then said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell these people to get moving. Pick up your staff, the same one that became a snake earlier. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. But my great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops and his chariots. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and they will know that I am the Lord God. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 21. It says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with the strong east wind, and it blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. Now, okay, let's picture this. Let's, let's take the Catawba River, for instance, because we were just there. Could you imagine if all of a sudden 
this guy is out there. He puts the rod over the over the river. All of a sudden, this big wind comes out, splits it in two, and it's not all muddy and stuff like all those rocks that we were all over. It's dry ground. That'd be crazy. crazy. And they start walking through. And it says, Then the Egyptians and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire in the cloud, and he threw their forces into confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making it difficult for them to drive. And then they said, Let's get out of here away from these Israelites. The Lord is fighting against them, for, uh, against Egypt for them. And when all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again, and the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians. So as the sun began, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water and rushed back over the, over the Egyptians, and they were wiped out. In fact, not a single one survived. So, Pharaoh's army, the most powerful army in the land, chasing after them, they're coming out on dry land, and it just kills all of them. So Moses overcome the challenge of his grumbling people. You know, sometimes you're going to have grumbling squad members by doing what the Lord asked him to do. And he had a major victory. Later in the, in the book of Exodus, they're out in the wilderness and there's more things happening in, in Moses' life. His uh, brother and sister start complaining to him about the wife that he chose. and you know, Some crazy things happen there. And then the people start grumbling because they have no food in the desert. So God sends them food out of the sky. But through all of that, Moses had to overcome so many challenges. And you thought a squad member talking was bad. He always followed what God told him. And when we see when he listened to God, good things happened. When he didn't listen to God, not so good things happened. In fact, later in in Deuteronomy, he was supposed to... um, I don't remember the details off the top of my head, but he was supposed to do something. He did sort of what God commanded, but not exactly when he struck the rock. Yeah. And because of that, God told him he didn't even get to go in the promised land, which is the whole reason he led the people out of Egypt anyway. Yeah. So when Moses followed God, good things happened. But when he didn't, bad things happened. So we see that Moses was a leader. That hurt a little bit. Yeah. Moses was a leader that started with the worst possible origins. He escaped death time after time again. See, when he was born, Pharaoh wanted to kill him. The river, Pharaoh wanted to kill him again. Pharaoh probably wanted to kill him during the plagues and then the Red Sea. He escaped death a lot. He's got more lives than a cat. <laughs> But he killed a man, he ran away, he questioned God. Yet, no matter what he did, God decided to still use him. We see this all through the Bible. When God chooses a leader, he's going to use him. We see it with David, we see it with Solomon, we see it with all sorts of people in the Bible. With Abraham, Paul. But just because God chooses you as a leader, doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges. Moses had to deal with the most powerful man on earth in his pride. He had to deal with a nation of people who were unbelievably stubborn and skeptical. He had to deal with family issues. And I think, you know, we might not have to deal with world leaders or, uh, you know, a bunch of stubborn nations. But we, you know, we've all got family issues. We, we can relate to that. We don't have to deal with unruly kings or unjust queens. We don't have to part a sea or bring plagues from a sky. 
And I'm pretty sure that most of us have never killed a man. Well, maybe Bradley, I don't know. (laughs) But we all have challenges of our own. As non-coms, you have to deal with homework, school, in your squad you have to deal with crazy brigadiers, people who won't listen to you or people who look down on you. Us adults, we have to deal with the stresses of raising godly families and the pressures of work and all the surroundings of us and all of our crazy responsibilities. Let me tell you, you think you got a heart as teenagers? Wait till you get to an adult. But I think we can all agree, being a leader is hard work. But just like God told Moses at the burning bush, it's not about you. It's not about what you can or can't do or want or don't want to do. It's not up to you to make God's plan work. But it's up to you to do God's plan. God has chosen every person in this room for a purpose. Part of that purpose is to reach the guys in this brigade this year for Christ. It is a purpose to make you better. A purpose to give guys a hope in Christ that we already have come to know. It is a purpose to glorify God in heaven. But guys, we cannot take that responsibility lightly. Like we were talking about this morning, especially about preparation, it is so, so, so important to be prepared. Because like, uh, I don't remember if it was Don or Quincy, I think it was Don that said this morning, you know, a lot of these guys don't go to church. You might be the only opportunity that they have during the week to hear anything spiritual. Don't take that responsibility lightly. You may think you don't have what it takes. Moses didn't think what he had, that he had what it takes. He killed a man, he stuttered. He didn't think he had what it takes. But God called him. And we saw what God did through him. Great things. And God has called every one of you in this room too. So guys, we need to be prepared and expect for a year where God is going to do great things. And every one of you needs to to just pray and be prepared to be used by Him this year. Because He's going to. Let's go ahead and pray and then we'll uh, we'll close out for, for tonight. God, we just uh, thank You, Lord, for, for the life of Moses, Lord, and uh, what we can take from that, Lord. God, we thank You that You have called us, Lord. That You have a, a purpose for each one of us, Father, Lord, and that You have a, a specific plan for us this year and throughout the rest of our lives, Lord. God, we pray that all of us are expecting to have ourselves be used by you, Lord, for a greater purpose. Lord, don't let us take that burden lightly, but let us focus on you and press in, Lord. Let us learn more about you for ourselves this year, Lord, so that we can share those lessons with others around us, God. Be with us for the rest of this retreat, God, and just give us a good time of fellowship, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.